Welcome to the podcast, A Moon in the Dark, with Ellen Blake. Have you gotten the app of Rustic Lantern yet? If you're a fan, you already know that they have everything from apparel and accessories, to baskets and books, to candles and clocks. Check them out at rusticlanternco.com. Hey, please rate and review the podcast. It will help other people find us. Also go to moonandthedark.com and give us your feedback on this season and what you'd like to hear for the next season. Pull up a chair and join in the conversation as we discuss what in the world the Star of Bethlehem would have to do with our everyday life right now. Well, I always say this, but I'm tickled to death again to have dear friends, Laura and Jared Jones. They are younger than I am, but I look up to them both. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just, just absolutely thrilled that they're here because they're busy people like everyone else. And I'm just so excited. So I'm going to let Laura start and just tell about you and your family. So we are the Jones family. Jared and Laura Jones, and we have five kiddos ranging from ages 2 to 12, almost 13, I guess. So maybe we'll go ascending order. Gatlin is our youngest, then Emmy, then Parker, Piper, and Grayson. Um, I am a homeschooling mom. I actually chose the homeschooling before the pandemic, and I'm still choosing it, even though I regret it some (laughs) days and find myself in the fetal position wanting to hide. But <laughs> most days, some days, most days, most days um, it is a very full and wonderful life. And um, we are thriving and surviving. Yeah. Equally. Depends on the day. Equally. equally thriving and surviving. Yeah. And I think the best description is just full. You know, life right now is full to the brim. And we were talking with Ellen earlier just about the fullness of life. And even sitting at this table, I think, is the outplaying of that fullness because we were talking about our friendship and our families, both the Blakes and the Joneses and all the interweavings of the Blakes being in Griffin for so long and us just being here for 10 years or so. It's just interesting and great that we're sitting at the same table to do a podcast about mm-hmm. something that's important to all of us and all of our families. And yeah. so it's great to be here. Laura actually babysat Daniel, <laughs> which that goes way back. Crazy. And if you've been Full listening circle. to the podcast, Katie Buckles is your sister. Yes. And Jennifer Galloway is your mother. So yes. you've already met part of your family. <laughs> and JJ, you have um, been instrumental mm-hmm. in uh, all three of our boys' lives, and we're so thankful for you. Yeah. And and I would reiterate what Ellen said about us is I look up to Daniel so much. You know, he's one of my guys that a lot of times that's what I'll think to myself is, man, I've learned so much from Daniel just in life. So well, we're, it's really fun. We're grateful for all the ups and downs we've walked through and (laughs) tripped to Nicaragua together. And I think um, we're so thankful you chose to live in Griffin. And I think one day if there's a kingdom book written about Griffin, (laughs) Georgia, Jared Jones, also (laughs) known as JJ, (laughs) will be prominently (laughs) featured in all of your work at your church, (laughs) at Journey, where you preach sometimes. And then all of your pouring into young life and just pouring into young men. Uh, Tell us about your actual job. And where you were before you came to Griffin. Yeah, which is interesting because that's what brought us to Griffin. Laura's dad, Steve, who's married to Jennifer, had a fiberglass business. And we had been doing K-Life, which is a youth ministry program in Missouri. We had our first child. Laura was pregnant with Piper. So we already had Grace and she was pregnant with Piper. And 
it was just the season, the season of youth ministry for us was done and we knew that. And Full time. Yeah, full time. Um, and so the opportunity came that Steve kind of needed slash wanted somebody to come into the business, you know. And I said that I would never live in Griffin where I grew up. <laughs> And so be careful what you say that you're never That's going right. to I, do. Now I did. I really did kind of have to drag her back, which is kind of different, I guess. But we knew that that's where the Lord had for us. And, and it is. I'm so thankful to be here. Yeah. And so I started working Apex. It's called Apex Fiberglass. And I worked that with Steve for 11 years, almost 11 years. And he just retired in July. Yes. Well, again, thanks for being here. Thanks um, for having yeah. us. Yes. Baby Jesus is now born. <laughs> And we have some visitors coming. And so we are in Matthew 2. Um, We're going to do 1 through 12, but we're first going to read 1 through 8 and kind of talk that out a little bit. Laura is going to read for us. Okay, I'm going to read starting in verse 1 and go through verse 8. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For from you will come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. This passage to me reminds me of how much fun it is to go directly to the scripture and just read it for yourself. We were talking about how just reading it sometimes is not helpful, especially when we've grown up hearing it. Mm -hmm. But I'm just reminded of just the idea, the first episode about has anyone ever opened your mail, meaning that if you don't open it for yourself, you lose that excitement. And I'm thinking about mother birds. Some birds, you know, they, well, I guess chew up their baby's food first and give it to the baby bird. And I'm sure that it loses taste, you know? And I've been thinking about that lately, how devotions are great and sermons are great and other resources, commentaries, but the word of God is living and active. And even the, the, someone who hasn't studied God's Word can go straight to God's Word and see what is in it just from reading it. Mm. And I just wanted to bring that out again today. I, I learned from Bible Study Fellowship this that the time of just you and the Scripture and the Holy Spirit together and, and hopefully some paper. For me, I need a pen. I know everyone's different, but I love to either write on the Scripture and print it out or I like to write it out, as I was taught to do, and then write out things I see, promises, commands, principles, truths. And I like to talk about this as cracking open the Christmas story. And to do that, you have to touch it and feel it. You know, even with my my children and my students, I say, you know, you need to interact with the information. You can't just sit there and read it. You need to highlight it or something. 
So it's again reminded to me today because there's so much in this. It just is overwhelming how good and rich this passage is. What's so great about the scripture is it puts us all on level playing field. So whether you've heard the Christmas story a thousand times or this is the first time, we can all come to it the same. You don't have to have a certain amount of knowledge or experience or come from the right family or any of that. You can interact with the Christmas story and it is. It's just, and I love the lane that Ellen's chosen to, to discuss it and listen to it. And it's just a true interaction with the story, which is great. And so what's happening here is it's really a cosmic part of the Christmas story um, because it involves the star, but it involves so much of God's plan for redemption is wrapped up in the story. And so we see that right from the beginning is Jesus has been born. And now we're going to see the impact that immediately that has on the known world at this time. As with, you have Herod here, you have wise men from the East. Um, so Let's talk about that. Who are these magi? What do we know about them? I mean, we don't know much. We don't. Yeah. The greatness of the story is that the people that God chooses in his omniscience in both the large scale of the cosmos and the the individual scale of the Magi and where they come from in the story mm. and how he's going to combine it for his glory, which mm. is neat to see. They followed the details and the prompting that they had put the time and work and studying ahead of time and then that they followed it through. They had a belief that held them mm -hmm. from what they had studied and from the Holy Spirit's hmm. prompting of the star. And that reminds me that in my reading, I was reminded that, first of all, we know they're from the East. So we don't know if that was from the area of Persia, Babylon, and the Medes. That's where the exile had been, and that's mm -hmm. where Daniel from the book of Daniel was, uh, it says in um, Daniel 5.11 that he was put in charge mm -hmm. of these wise men, this group of people who were scientists, astrologers, astronomers, uh, maybe a little bit of sorcerer, you know, just <laughs> the combination. Of, we don't really know what these guys were. We do know that something that, like Laura had said, they were studying. So they may have had Daniel's papers, the mm -hmm. papers of Daniel. And we know that there were believing Jewish people or Gentiles that God had around the world from the scattering of the exiles. Mm -hmm. Even it could have been, I, uh, I have a friend who is descended from a tribe in, in India that claims they were from the tribe of Manasseh. Mm -hmm. And so we're not sure where, and we're not sure what they were, but they, whatever they had studied, and whatever they saw in the sky, they were sure of what this was. And God had shown them what this was. And they say, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And Herod is the king of the Jews. <laughs> and he was a usurper. He was cruel and paranoid. And I think I read he had maybe 10 wives. He had killed three or four sons. He's just a mess. A mess. <clears throat> he was troubled in verse 3 and all Jerusalem with him. And one fun fact is Jesus later in John 14 says, do not let your hearts be troubled. That's the same word here. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea of stirring up a like boiling mm -hmm. water, agitated. Um, and imagine if he is jealous of his own sons wanting to become king. Mm -hmm. These men have come and it could have been that these wise men came with an army, a small army, or you don't know how many folks this is coming how they're dressed, you know, they're from a different mm -hmm. culture for sure. And how, you know, how far you yeah. think? I, I mean, I again, I just lean on the East. You know, it was East 
of the known world. And so, yeah, and I think that's, again, the, the beauty of Scripture in the, the detail of it is you see the working of the Holy Spirit, that that wouldn't have been a normal thing to happen. It wasn't just run-of-the-mill. So even sometimes the Christmas story to us can be run-of-the-mill. For the people who experience it, there was nothing run-of-the-mill about it, that these men were traveling with a purpose, and Herod was not okay with it, <laughs> with any of it. And so, yeah. So who does he gather together? Gathers the chief priests and the scribes, the the people who had studied and knew the prophecy, mm-hmm. knew the promises. And I was reading about the scribes are the ones that are like the professional scholars. The chief priests were appointed by Rome, and I think that was a corrupt system at this time. Mm-hmm. And we, we look at, if you're familiar with Scripture, the Sanhedrin comes into play at the end of Jesus' life. The kind of the ruling body that makes decisions. So the elite, basically, the mm-hmm. establishment that was not happy or not. I mean, they seem like they're not excited about this, mm-hmm. but they do know the scripture, right? And then all Jerusalem. So it stri- strikes me that all of Jerusalem is hearing about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the buzz of the time. So w- what does Herod want now after he hears this? What does he do? Well, he's going to be Herod. He he wants him to find out where he is and act as his spies so that he can take care of it. But he's he's pretending though. Yeah, he wants to pretending make them think to want that he, to worship. To worship, him. yeah. Mm. Well, I was just thinking there when you contrast Herod to the Magi. You know, anybody can say, "Hey, I want to go worship him," but. From the beginning with the Magi, it says, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Mm. And you see that it's very, for the Magi, it's it's why they were created. Like they have purpose and it's it's a true, genuine worship. But for me, the action of the Holy Spirit is what really comes through in these verses. That the Holy Spirit is at work. Um, in the Magi's life, he's at work to direct and guide and lead, and he has a purpose for them. And we'll get to the gifts later. And in Herod, he's active in, in blocking and blinding and because there's a purpose of, of God's plan A, that it, was not a, it wasn't a reactionary thing that he had to go find some guys to come do this purpose. It was that when he created the world, and we talked about this, Ellen, with the star, that those things were created at the beginning of time, and you don't, you don't change the course of stars. The course has already been set in motion and with the Magi. Um, so you just see his omniscience and you see the Holy Spirit carrying out that omniscience. Mm-hmm. And with that plan, I think we see with God's omniscience, we see his faithfulness mm-hmm. um, and we're reminded of how he orchestrated the star and the, the wise men to follow the star and for Herod to, um, for the star to st- to appear, for it to stop. Um, all of that reminds us of God's faithfulness. Um, and we mentioned the details, faithfulness in the details, but we see all the prophecy mentioned in these first eight um, verses and just reminds us of his faithfulness, both the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, of his faithfulness and how he orchestrates his plan A. And how beautifully the Trinity works together mm-hmm. in this story, that you see both the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in this story. Mm-hmm. And Ellen, you talked about it. We, we, we related it to the verse in um, Colossians that 
he holds all things together. And here we find Jesus, the baby Jesus, holding all things together. And it's, and I think the the ability to trust that that God's never different than who He is. Like this is exactly how this story would unfold because God's in charge of it. Mm. Um, he would not use the ways of the world. He would not use the scribes and the scholars and the he would use men from the east and he would have him born in a town like Bethlehem mm. in Judea it's like again once you, when you know God it's like that makes complete sense mm-hmm. it's because it's who God is thinking about how the universe is moving and in order for whatever this sign in the sky was it had to be there at the moment it was there and mm-hmm. that was initiated at creation mm-hmm. which is sort of blows your mind. It does. Mm-hmm. And and really in today's day and age, we forget about it and how important the stars are in general. I mean, if you can go back to the time of like Columbus and people that sailed, like they knew. And so it, and that's why this story makes sense. We talked a lot about too. It's like when you, you're walking with Jesus, it's like, well, of course, of course. Now it's, it's harder or a stretch, but even just go to the stars. Like if there was a break or something different that happened, mm-hmm. there would have been people that would have known it. Because that's how they traveled. Mm-hmm. They traveled by the stars. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't. Like, other than this star being prominent. And well, so it points to that. That yeah. it was started as plan A. Like, it's not like God interrupted his plan when we fell. Or interrupted right. the plan when uh, Moses in the desert struck the rock. Instead of... It, it's not like at any point that he interrupted his plans. His plans have always been in motion. Plans to have an incarnated Savior. Messiah. That would be sacrificed for our sins. That's right. So he knew that before. Mm-hmm. And, but we've heard teaching that denies that truth. Right. Right. So that's out there. And it denies Jesus and denies the gospel is when you really get down to it. Mm-hmm. And that's a very dangerous thing to mm-hmm. do. <laughs> and speaking of the star, you know, we were talking earlier, it doesn't necessarily intrigue the two of y'all as to what the star mm-hmm. was. I've been fascinated with it as I see things come across. You know different mm-hmm. things, and um, that. But my, my conclusion for today, that for myself, is that no one knows, and no one, no one can figure it out right now. But I will mention um, Colin Nickel wrote a book, The Great Christ Comet. So his theory, it's a pretty thick book, is that it was a comet. Other people say no, it couldn't have been a comet. And then there's the Bethlehem Star movie, which I really can, I can't. I'm not saying that I am. Endorsing, endorsing either yeah. one because they're actually different, completely different. They just crossed your path. But this a little CD, the Star of Bethlehem, and if anything, they they they're just fun. It's fun to mm-hmm. me to see what it could have been. Mm-hmm. It could have been, um, you know, a conjunction of stars. I mean, of Jupe of planets that were brighter, mm-hmm. that that interacted with um, constellations. Yeah, and so I wish- that's. And the constellations had meaning for them. Mm-hmm. The interaction of the star of the planets and the different planets had meaning. So, what we know is that they knew and they were right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. They knew it and they were right, and that it rose in the east, and then it apparently it went away and it, and it came back and it stopped. Yeah. So there's just characteristics of this thing in the sky from the scripture that we know, but right now we don't really know what this was, which is very interesting to me. Yeah, that it, it's not random. It's not, and it's not a reactionary God. Like his plan fits together perfectly. Mm-hmm. And it, and we get to see that in the star. And it's cool that his plan is a perfect plan. 
Yes, and the point is not what the star was. That's right. The point mm-hmm. is that it led them to the child. To the stable. And that they yeah. knew who he was. Yeah. The last episode is when your mom was here and Robin, and we saw in Luke 2.35 that Simeon is saying that the mm. thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And I see that happening here. Oh, what a great story Simeon's is. It's mm. such a good story. Yeah, that the yeah. hearts... So we have Simeon and Anna who are waiting and looking, but they're mm-hmm. behind the scenes, mm-hmm. right in the same exact vicinity of these scribes, chief priests, and Herod. They're all like within a block or two hanging out together. Yeah. I mean, this is a small yeah. place. The temple yeah. is right there. I think Herod's palace isn't too far. I don't really know, remember, but yeah. um, geographically, it's not it's very right far. It's right there. Yeah. And they're all there and they all have a different response. Mm-hmm. And that just, to me, really p- presses the question. You know, Herod was being fake mm. and worship, pretending to worship Jesus was to, was going to get him something he wanted. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. And then there, the scribes and Pharisees were indifferent. Because they thought they knew. And they didn't apparently go. I mean, it, it, it seems like they didn't. Tell us they they didn't. didn't go. But mm-hmm. um, and then there's the watching, tender, teachable remnant mm-hmm. that we know was there with at least Simeon and Anna. Mm-hmm. And I want to be that watching, teachable mm-hmm. remnant. And in my and the wise men were watching, yeah, waiting. When when you said remnant from far, yeah. and you said remnant, it makes it encouraging because the wise men probably were not Jewish. Mm-hmm. And so you have the whole story of the Gentiles and right. that the Lord's going to draw and lead and his people is going to be what it says in Revelation, that it will right. be all tribes, tongues, languages, and that yes. I can rest in that fact. Yes. Yeah. And and just having been, you know, in several states traveling before we came to Griffin and in several, you know, several different situations, jobs, whatever, I've seen... Something kind of like this, um, what I see the chief priests and scribes mm-hmm. being here, the um, sort of the professional scholar mm-hmm. yeah. and the elite um, rulers or clergy or whatever you want to call it that are deep into the scripture but miss mm-hmm. the simple gospel mm-hmm. of faith. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't want to be that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to be the one that searches and misses, you know, looks, mm-hmm. does it for a living, and then misses it. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's so interesting. Again, we've just been talking a lot, but uh, David, who's Ellen's youngest, and I were m- meeting this week and just talking, and we were in Hebrews, and we were talking about the the living and active part of Scripture. And it's it's that, that. It's, it's in my response or really how I come to it, how I come to the Scripture. Do I come humbly? thinking that I can see or learn or know Jesus better, or do I have do I come with my preconceived notions? And I've already decided ahead of time what this is going to mean. And so I have no room for the Spirit to work. And we talked about it. Like, without the Spirit, without Christ, they're just words. Mm. He is the living agent in it. He is the living agent, and he will always use Scripture. It's his first choice. It's Again, there's not a plan B. Like, if this doesn't work, it will always lead you back to the scriptures because it's God's word and it's living and active because Jesus is who he said he was. And I, I find myself there a lot. I think as I talked about in the beginning where I read it and thought, oh, I know this story. There, There's not 
there's not more for me there. And then as I begin to dig, I realize how rich and how um, encouraging and challenging the scripture was. So there's that, but there's also the study, 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 pick it apart, dig, but never let the spirit lead me to follow the star. <laughs> never, never go past the where the scribes sat and copied every word and they never let it penetrate their heart. And mm. so there is that in my own life, I can see that, that um, little bit of that crux of s- finding the balance between studying the scripture, spending that time, putting the, the relation time into the relationship, but letting the Lord mm-hmm. draw you, letting the Holy spirit lead you and letting it be real, not be, and not be just knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the sake of knowing. For the sake mm-hmm. of knowing. Yeah. Laura, you mentioned how God being in the details, how, how does that encourage you? I think it just encourages me to feel not, to feel significant in his eyes. I think so often we can feel like, We are just small in the scope of history, small in the scope of God's plan, and that things are happening without us. Sometimes I think we all have that tendency. And so just remind, being reminded of God's care, um, his, His faithfulness, that everything He promised was carried out to the minute detail, I think just reminds me that He's doing that in my own life that he has not forgotten or put me on hold or put me to the side while he carries out his plan, but that I'm a part of that and that I can choose to be a part of that by seeking out his you know, relationship with him through scripture. And so I think it's just that faithfulness is such a, um, brings so much hope. Mm-hmm. Um, it brings so much hope to know that the Lord is being faithful in the big and in the details. Mm-hmm. What about as parents? Does that how does that encourage you? Uh, we talk about this frequently, mm-hmm. maybe not a lot, but frequently. It's as parent, all parents do, and you're at a. And what we love about just our life right now is the difference. You know, you're at a very different season than we are. We talk about, you know, right now it's like just taxing uh, physically, and you know, not as much. We're starting to head into the more emotional, but we talk about it that we can rest in his omni that we're going to we're going to fail a lot as parents and we tell our kids that all the time when we ask for forgiveness it's that there's going to be times where we blow it but we have a god who's in control and it's okay and and our god loves our kids much more than we do mm-hmm. and we've already seen his faithfulness to them and that he's going to walk with them and and so really, we just get to be cheerleaders a little bit mm-hmm. of, of, you know, there's things and responsibilities we have as parents, but more than anything, we just get to cheer on what the Lord's doing in their lives. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's going to be hard things. Like you're going to walk through things that it's not how you would have chosen to do it. And it's, but you can walk through it and rest in grace, knowing that he is in control and he's in control of the details and that mm-hmm. he cares about them much more than you do. So mm-hmm. I think that's where it works itself And out. I think just knowing that it's God's faithfulness mm-hmm. and not my faithfulness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am called to things and I'm called to, you know, be faithful, but it is God's faithfulness that we put our hope in. Mm-hmm. And so often I think we do, don't we um, put 
man's characteristics onto God and sometimes think that he's going to disappoint like mm-hmm. I disappoint or he's going to love contingent on what I do instead of loving perfectly like he does mm-hmm. and loving faithfully mm-hmm. and carrying his plan perfectly, carrying it perfectly to mm-hmm. fruition. And, well, and we that can, encourages. We can look back and see that's happened. Mm-hmm. But then we still freak out a little about the sure. future. Do mm-hmm. y'all do that? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's where it leads. <laughs> that where it leads to the star. You know that there are things in life, and there are things that the Father says about Himself that I can hold to. You know, in Hebrews it talks about the anchor for the soul. That He's He's my anchor, and we talked a little bit. Laura mentioned it earlier here, and Ellen and you and I, and all three of us talked about it in there about those are the things that hold you. And so even if, I mean, if you think about the people in this story, there's some people that are holding beliefs. They're holding things that they think to be true. Mm. And there's some people that are allowing things to hold them. And in the Magi, you see that this is a belief that has held them. And Mm. who knows for how long, but it's like they, as soon as they saw the star, they knew it, they followed it. Mm. And so that's what we can hold to in looking to the future that Mm. seems unknown and scary and there's been things scary in the past but the hindsight says that i can trust in his faithfulness Mm. and the the way that he's been faithful says i can trust him again Mm. that there will come a time that i need to hold to that trust yeah when we first got here this morning ellen just reminded me with those words and again and again i hear that that it's not up to me that it is him that does the work. I'm reminded, and we all say over we say it again. a lot to our kids. It's not about you, <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's the, and it's that's not a a mean or a hateful thing. It's just a remembrance that it's really not about us. Mm-hmm. And it, in this story, it's not about Herod. It's not about the Magi. Mm. It's about Jesus. But we're forgetful people yeah. and need to be daily reminded. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which is so important with what Ellen's talking about with reading the Word. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the source that we get it from. It's mm. not. We don't pull it from a pastor or a teacher mm-hmm. or a friend or a, mm. we pull it from scripture because that's what God gave us his word for, mm. is that's to remind good. us of who he is. We're going to stop with verse eight and come mm. back together. Thank y'all for being here. It's so much in this passage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Ellen. Thanks, Ellen. Hey, thanks for shopping at Rustic Lantern Co. in Griffin and let them know that I sent you rusticlanternco.com. Whatever the star was, it tells us that God knows the end from the beginning. He's a God of the detail. He is a God that sees you, that knows you, that holds the details of your life. For now, I leave you with peace for your day and peace for your night.